0: Enjoy! Welcome, after a very long hiatus that really wasn't planned, to Forever Blue Shirts Radio. I am your temporary host, Kevin Krupe, the Space Earthbender. Along with me is who you just heard on that lovely intro video, John Luke Shapiro. John Luke, I will always mention that if I am hosting. I'm glad we're good to do this. Russell, the host, the creator of 4B Radio, will be back during the Traverse City Tournament to discuss what's going on with all the prospects, Capo, Capo Capo, you know, Adam Fox, everybody, and how they're doing. So look, tune in in two weeks, and then it'll be bi-weekly all again after that, and then everybody gets to be happy listening to the podcast.
1: And then you know, Traverse City is pretty much the beginning of hockey season. So Strapper's well, I mean, in, it's pretty chilly out, so I kind of feel like it's hockey season already. It's getting me excited. Time to bust out the puck and spice lattes and the Halloween decorations, I guess. Uh, no, that's that's too early. <laughs> I'll take an iced coffee until it's
0: four degrees out, okay. and then I'll switch to hot coffee. That that sounds about right. I mean, like I mean, I don't get the people who don't like iced coffee, regardless. I don't like okay.
1: iced coffee, but just saying. But
0: okay, why not? If it's hot, you want hot. <laughs> coffee yes i'll take hot. Down, okay it's 98 degrees out it's hot and you want hot coffee yes it's crazy i know anyways it's on- negative two degrees out and you want hot coffee
1: yeah sure you're crazy yeah. anyways <laughs> on to ranger stuff uh yes yes um well
0: as we all know it's not that busy in Rangers Town. This is what happens with our long drought of hockey in the summer months. But some other European leagues are starting to form up. They're having the preseason games. We're seeing some content here and there. We're seeing some picks start to show off who they really are. But i like to focus hometown right now, the players that are here. Brendan Lemieux and Tony D'Angelo still are not signed, along with a significant amount of RFAs and UFAs. I mean, it seems like... I don't know if anybody pays attention to baseball, but, you know, this past year and the year before where the the free agents are holding out to the last second to try to get as much money as possible, but this is a baseball. This is hockey where the salary cap really dictates what your team is going to do. Are we going to have another William Nylander situation with Mitch Marner? I don't want that with Brendan Lemieux. I feel like his role is pretty solidified. He could be a fan favorite so easily, and if he could have a proven year or two, maybe, you know, part of the agreement will not be able to be exposed during the expansion draft would be good. But we'll see. It's just, these guys being signed would be a lot better for the Rangers.
1: Well, see, excuse me, the thing about this that's confusing, or not confusing per se, but the thing that that just kind of gets in the way is that a lot of teams don't seem to be as eager, and you also have to factor in that there's a lockout about to, you know, potentially loom over the league if the CBA isn't negotiated or they can't seem to come to terms. So a lot of teams are hesitant to try and give big contracts to players because what they'll have to do is lockout-proof those contracts in a sense. Yeah. So you get a lot of stalemates and and just the the whole culture of free agency and, you know, putting teams together is starting to change and you see it in baseball. Now you're seeing it in hockey. In the Rangers' case, excuse me, in the Rangers' case, it's probably more of just that they don't have enough money for the Uh time being for both those guys and they're looking to try and... uh, probably move some other pieces in order to keep them because they spoke highly of Lemieux last season and, and, and they clearly traded Pionk for Truba over D'Angelo, so obviously they want to keep him.
0: Well <clears throat> D'Angelo had a great season last year. He was probably arguably the best defenseman statistically on T. He played a lot too. of minutes. Possession wise he was great. He was really showed his you know his true form and that that's why the traded him from, from Arizona. Or in our, I guess from Arizona, so to speak. But you know that that's the issue now. These guys have good ends of the year, you know, they're really, you know, in contract year. They're not arbitration eligible, so no one's gonna give them a hard number to kinda base anything off of. So each camp has two different ideas. The range is like, hey look, you're worth this much and um D'Angelo and news camp are like, No, I'm worth this much. So it's 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 a it's a battle this whole entire time.
1: Well I think too it's just that players want security. Oh of course and, and teams are ...are trying to do that, but they're also trying not to overspend because I noticed that teams tend to feel buyer's remorse after a while, especially once the season starts, especially if a player doesn't produce. So, not to say that the Rangers would feel that way with these guys. I honestly think that in the case of the New York Rangers, it's more of just like they really don't have enough space. I mean... It, it, the, the way the offseason kind of is going towards the direction it's going in, it's kind of strange, especially after the Shattenkirk buyout. So yeah. it's really difficult to kind of read exactly what the Rangers are trying to do. And, you know, like we've always known, the Rangers keep things tight to the hip. They don't really yeah. say anything. So I know we had uh, 4B had that exclusive piece with uh, Claude Lemieux, who's his son's agent. Um, and, it, you know, the way that Claude spoke about the talks with the Rangers. It seemed encouraging because, you know, it didn't seem like they were totally ruling out a return to the Rangers, but yeah. you know, you have to wonder what exactly is going on. So, you know, it's just a strange time in the offseason right now. But it's not like
0: anybody else is doing this. It's not like no one is signing the RFAs all at once. You know, you're having teams with different situations, but they all kind of look the same. It's like, okay, Toronto, we don't have enough money. That's that's just a fact. They just don't have enough money. And they have a lot of free agents assigned. That's why you see these huge, de- huge deals with the Avalanche, shipping off a lot of money, getting guys that are, you know, a little less pricey. But, you know, the Rangers really can't do that. They don't have somebody they can really ship off for anything valuable. You know, Nemesikov, his name is thrown around. Ryan Strome's name is thrown around. But then you really have a hard time filling out the roster. And, you know, do you want a team of all rookies? No, but... It's just, it's just. You look at next year, and this is the biggest thing. You look at next year's kind of free agency situation with the Rangers. They have a whole line and a half missing for their forward group. Mm-hmm. Chris Kreider, Jesper Faust, Vlad Domestikov, um, Ron Strom. I mean, if you really want to, you could throw Matt in there, but I'm not. I'm yeah. just, I don't Care about that. Well, one thing you but have. One thing. Regardless, you also... it's a lot of guys coming off the cap, but mm-hmm. you have the Shattenkirk buyout that really handcuffs them because that's. million for nobody. It's a huge hit, but don't get, like, don't me wrong. Like, in two years, it won't be anything. But next year, especially with the expansion draft looming the year after, it's huge. And you want to re-sign Fost. I mean, like, he's just a great clubhouse guy. He, you know, he plays great defensively. He plays a great third, fourth line. Scores when he needs to score. But, you know, do you re-sign him just to expose him? You have to expose somebody. It's just, who do you really keep at that point?
1: Well, I think once once the, once that, you know, like you said, once those, those numbers get off the books, I really think the Rangers will try and have the younger guys pretty much step up to fill that, you know, the second line role. Yeah. Because if you really look at some of the guys that they just recently drafted, not to say that they're going to be ready in two years, but <clears throat> it seems that they can probably piecemeal their way. Back into getting players who can fill those roles. I made this statement a couple times on the podcast, uh, I want to say a couple podcasts ago. And if you notice, during the playoff run that the Rangers had, they would always sign these guys for cheap pennies on the dollar who would be like fourth line contributors, like Elise Stepniak, like a Benoit Pouliot you know, and you know, low risk, high reward. Low risk, high type, reward you know, Michael Grabner, guys Michael like Grabner, yeah. that. Yeah. So I think what the Rangers are trying to do is they're trying to get some of those types of players for themselves who are mm-hmm. cost controllable and it gives them enough money to put assets or spend more on assets for more vital parts of the team. So I think, frankly, you know, it's it's not as bleak as people put it out to be. Well,
0: it, it's it, I don't want to say it's bleak. Right now, the Rangers have a roster filled. that they really need to bring guys up, they can, which isn't the issue. It's just when you have so many pieces coming off at once, that are huge contributors to the Rangers. Like, don't get me wrong. There's no way, unless you sign nobody else, that you can re-sign Chris Cryder next year. There's oh, no, no way. Absolutely. This is this is the, the, the range of keeping Chris Kreider for one of two reasons. One, because they're stupid and they're going to re-sign him to a huge contract extension <laughs> that's going to kill him. Or two, they really want to protect the younger guys and have him be a second-line winger who's going to give um, Leah Sanderson, Filipino, Brett Howden, you know, and even, like, um, Vitaly Kratsov room to maneuver the pressure off the young guys. Have them excel at their own pace. So... Then you see it, this, the trade deadline. It's like, okay, we got to get rid of Kreider. Who else can we get rid of? Literally a chunk of the forwards. And then you have a whole team of younger guys, and then do you really say you can compete at that point? Do you have the pieces to compete? Do you think they make that much str- like that much progress from October all the way to February to call themselves a you know, <coughs> playoff team in the year after? Because that's what people are expecting. This year is not going to be a playoff run. It, there's a very slim chance, but a lot of things need to break right for it to happen. It's just, will they be playoff ready if they lose half their team?
1: Well, I think that all depends on where they finish uh, sometime around December going into January. Because you look at, let's look at the St. Louis Blues. Mm-hmm. St. Louis Blues well, were... No, 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 no. This,
0: That's such an extreme
1: case. No, no, absolutely like
0: I was going to make the point where, you know, you do have those scenarios where it's like, okay, the guys played, re- like, they're really expected to go high, like Tim Bank when they went to the playoffs, they're going to destroy the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, no, they that's... have no secondary scoring. They have no defense, this and that. But then they get shot. <laughs> and then well, it's the same thing. You have so many sweeps, and no one thought the Canes were going to get that far. And it, it, it's just baffling. It's like, oh, this is just one of those years. It's not going to happen again. No, You're not no. going to see the Rangers get there. You're not going to see the Senators get there. You're not going to see uh, Anaheim or the Kings get there. These are all rebuilding franchises. Well, I think... The Blues the Blues were a competitive team. That just so happened to put everything together and lucked out. I, I I mean it. They lucked out. No, the they did. Half of the season. No,
1: I agree. But you, 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 can't totally dismiss it because there have been teams who have been worse and have done a lot mm-hmm. better. So you really, it all. See, the, the problem with trying to make an accurate prediction is we don't know how the young guys are going to pan out. If oh, the young guys, not. if the young guys end up actually producing to what they're supposed to produce quickly. Off the their, bat, off the bat, and all, actually stay all, hot, consistent. All four main prospects coming right off the bat. Yeah, and you know it's not impossible because it is. It has been done before, for the most part. I mean, you look at a lot of those older Detroit Red Wings teams. You know, they yeah. had a lot of those guys come right out of the gate and just start playing well. You know, you got, uh, you know, Crosby. You have McDavid. You have Matthews. And I believe Kapokako is up in that category of those types of players mm-hmm. because he is second overall. So don't be surprised if you see Kapokako just come in and just start tearing it up. Well, that's the thing. That's not what I'm worried about.
0: No, I I'm know. am not worried about Kapokako. Kapokako looked great playing against, like, actual NHLers. The problem is everybody else. Uh, Vitaly Kratsov, even though he did produce a good chunk of percentage of his points for his team. Like how is he gonna alter? How's he gonna you know adjust to this NHL ice? You look at Adam Fox coming from the NCAA. Typically, when players come from college hockey, it's a huge you know speed change. Like the body, the bodies are a lot bigger because you're not playing against eighteen-year-olds. You're not playing 17, 18 year eighteen-year-old. And you know then you have you know Leah Sanderson and Filipito. Are they gonna really pan out this year, or maybe they're gonna have more growing pains? Nobody knows. The only surefire thing are. are, are Um, Arcemi Panarin, uh, Mika Zemanjad and Jacob Truba at this point, those three guys.
1: Well, it's not exactly a bad thing because if you look at the the way the team was constructed last year, you know, the, you know, the one thing they were missing. And I, and I said this to, you know, I said this to everyone who's gone to a game with me. I said it to Russ when we went to a game one time. Mm -hmm. Um, I said it to everyone that I've gone to a game with. The reason why the team was so bad last year was because they couldn't score. David Quinn has instilled in them a strong defensive system, and when they play it well, they can do well. They've played and beaten well, good teams. So once they... Now, with the additions of Kako, with Kratsov, with Panarin, and another weapon for Zibanejad to use, multiple weapons okay. for him to use, I, I honestly think this team could actually make a mark... And do well. Not They're oh, yeah. not going to win the Stanley Cup. Let's face it. I think they'll buy do a lot better than a wild most people card, think. Maybe. Yeah, but this, but this cool. is the thing.
0: Their their scope is so wide right now. They could be a playoff team or they could be a bottom five team. Mm-hmm. That's the issue with it. That, this is why it's so hard. It's not like, oh, fresh off a playoff run where we made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. We added blank and blank and now we're ready to go. It's not like that. It's not like, oh, they're going to end up wild card to you know first seed. This is wild card. To last place.
1: Yeah. and that's Which not necessarily is, which a is more
0: thing. than half the league. Yeah, which is not necessarily a bad thing. No, it's thing not, but but, but you have to look at it nice, as it could, be a, it, it could be a bad thing. Do you want to know why? why? Because if these guys don't mesh right away, what's to say they're going to not mesh the year after? Well, a, big, no. a big portion of their success is going to come off of uh, how well they become. They're not an established team. They have no identity. Well, their half, half forwards are new.
1: You know, I I have to. And half of them are under the age of
0: twenty four.
1: If they don't mesh well the first season, I don't necessarily think it's doom and gloom. I think that's just no. But it's, they a, it's know, a it's a it's but... a big
0: deal. It's okay. Let me let me read off the the age group, the ages for forwards. I'm not gonna give any names. Twenty seven, twenty six, twenty eight, twenty six, twenty four, twenty six. I'm skipping this one because Matt Balecki doesn't count. 27, 18, 19, 20, 21, 27, 25, 23, and I guarantee two of those guys aren't going to be on the roster either.
1: Well, you have to remember, you know, it takes, you know, guys develop, and, and sometimes things aren't just going to happen right off the bat. I'm, so, but
0: but that's the thing. Like you say, they could be a, they could do playoff push, which means they have to kind of win right off the bat. Yeah, no, if absolutely. If you if you have a shot to your confidence like at a young team right away. You're really not going to climb out of that hole. Unless they make an unreal run like the, the Blues did, where you have guys fighting at practice, and then after that, you go on a legendary <laughs> run to win them. That was it. That was the marking point. Guys, you got to stop fighting each That's other. Fighting you got to start winning yeah. games.
1: No, oh, I, I don't see it as impossible. It's just, again, it's really hard for us to make a determination. And I, I don't, I, I, I personally, I don't think they'll have a problem. Clicking, I think you know. Zabanajad so was able to play with anyone he's put, he was uh-huh. put with. Like the the one example I like to cite, and this isn't a knock on Jesper Fast per se, but Zabanajad seems to be turning into the guy that can elevate other people's games, and Panarin uh-huh. is also that kind of guy to do that. So when when they put, I think it was Kreider, Fast, and uh, Zabanajad, and is Zaban- uh, not Zabanajad, Fast was looking so good. And I know JT was happy about that. He was scoring goals, and he was looking good on the first line, and I thought, wow, this is nice. And then I think Buchnevich got back into the fold, and they started tearing it up again, and Foss went back down to the fourth line, or he got injured or something. I'm trying to remember.
0: Well, no, no. I remember that little stretch where Foss was there when Buch wasn't. And we were like, why isn't Foss on this line all the time? Yeah, exactly. And it just added to his value. But you're right. That's a a great example. of generally third, fourth line player Foss is – so is, it does well with with a guy like Savannah Jenkins. He'll do well for both Artemi Panarin and Capo Kaiko. Exactly. So which I'm, I'm which is most likely the first line. line. Look. That's what I'm excited for the most. I mean, like, I don't, I'm not expecting a huge run. I'm not expecting a wild card push at all. I'm expecting them to sell at the deadline like they did last year. And I'm expecting them to just be as competitive as possible. They're not going to fold over. They're going to have a lot of close games, but the defense might, you know... Not bail them out when they should, or Henrik Lundqvist might show his age.
1: For me, it's the best case scenario, wild card, worst case scenario. They got a good pick in next year's draft, and that's not necessarily a bad thing.
0: No, no, it's not, because then you could use all the picks that you could amass during the trade
1: deadline.
0: I mean, will fetch at first. Foss could. You could see something like Michael Grebner, somewhat. Mm-hmm. You could see like a a, a, se- a second or two, or maybe a good prospect. I mean, it really depends. I mean. It, like you could even make make the point make the point that Brendan Smith might have a good year to a certain extent if he's playing with them which i do we believe that's going to happen no i think he's there's been get no in there's been no indication otherwise
1: <laughs> to get Brendan Hartford
0: does he have a no movement clause though
1: I want to say... I'm going to so, check right now. Yeah, check on that. We don't want to be inaccurate.
0: Oh, no. Modified no-trade clause, no trade, which means he, he could be moved. Well, he can, he put can on get ravers. sent
1: down to Hartford because he they can. sent him down to Hartford two seasons ago. So it, that's not the problem. It just no. it all depends on the teams that he might want to get traded to. So they would have to come to him and ask for a, a team list.
0: This is the thing. Like I, When I was researching Adam Fox a couple weeks ago just for an article... I was looking at the best defensive scoring, you know, defenseman in the NHL. And one of them was Brendan Smith. And I'm looking at that, and I'm like, huh, he had great potential. He wasn't one of the top. He's like, top like, 10, maybe. Like, But the amount of points he amassed for his team, I was like, oh, this is pretty good for Brendan Smith. Where did this scoring touch go? And, you know, you, we saw how gritty and a you know, stay-at-home defenseman he was when we first traded for him from the Red Wings the last playoff push, but what what really changed in his demeanor, what changed in his play style that kind of, like, he lost that flair? Like, maybe it was the pairings, maybe he wasn't 100%, you know, injury-wise. But I, I don't want to get, I'm going to get burned for this. I already know it because I, I hate myself when I'm about to say it.
1: <laughs>
0: Let's not give up on Brendan Smith yet. Because why not? We have a season... That's going to get burned away anyway. There's a good chance they might not make the money. You know what? I, I so, am not, I'm i not prone
1: to disagree with you because, you know what? Right? I
0: mean, like, he still has an opportunity. Like, it really, it's on him now.
1: You wanna, he you wanna he know is, is the master of his fate. Yeah, I agree. And you want to know what was interesting about Brendan Smith was last season in the fourth line forward role that he played, he actually wasn't half bad. He actually wasn't. I kid you not. It was the strangest thing to see. Brendan Smith skating around as a fourth line forward on the yeah. ice. And I, think I I was tuning out at that point when I was yeah. watching him.
0: I was like,
1: what? He, Why is he joining the rocks? I think he scored. <laughs> I want to say he scored. I think he got in, like an assist or something. In yeah. the final game of the season. But there were a couple times where he, I think it was one goal. Now I have to, now I have to look he, this up. He, skate, he skated down the wing and he wristed a shot on net and it went in. And I'm saying to myself, well... You know, I, I this guy looks pretty good. I think what his problem is that he got too complacent. And I'm not trying to throw stones or, or make assumptions mm-hmm. or whatever, but just judging off of the way he played in the playoffs in 2017 when they traded for him, and he was a horse. I mean, him and Brady Shea were they were great. They were great
0: together. I thought this was going to be the start to something amazing. I mean, you had oh my god, he did score. Yeah, he did in the first period. It tied it up one to one. Yes, and and the reason I remember that, got us Capo Caco.
1: Yes, and so did Ryan Strom. Yes. It was him and his high
0: shooting percentage. Yeah.
1: So, but the point I'm trying to make is, is that he got the contract, and apparently he came to camp 25 pounds overweight, and it seemed like he was. it, It was it was around, you know, when they were just going through the transition period, and 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 AV wasn't really doing things right, and it just was like a bad fit for everyone. So that didn't necessarily help things. But then. When David Quinn came in, you could see kind of a change in style, but he still wasn't as good defensively as a defenseman. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, he—you could tell there was some sort of complacency after he got his contract. So I think,
0: I think, if, I think, I, think, I think there's two there's two things that I would like to make point. Yes, that's, that, that, that seems to happen a lot, where a guy gets a big contract that he really wasn't expecting to get. And he's like, oh, I'm good, I got all of that I wanted, I'm fine, which means he doesn't have to compete. That, that's what that was. He was. He's on a contract year like you said, so he's going to play his heart out, and now he's like, oh, I'm just not going to get injured. I'll be fine, which is I'm a little worried about Artemi Panarin, but he seems like he always wants to no. win, so I'm, I'm not uh, fine with that. I wouldn't be concerned but about it. you got to think of it this way. That year, Kevin Shattenkirk was battling injuries for a long time before he really made
1: Pretty much the whole season.
0: Pretty much the whole season. So, you know, when Kevin Shattenkirk isn't doing well, he's going to be like, okay, Brendan, step up. You're going to have to play 22 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. Which probably wasn't a problem for him during the playoffs because you know you're under adrenaline and you're playing for a playoff team and everything's crazier. And you know they didn't really go that far. They lost in the second round. Yeah, they lost in the second round. Yeah. And you know, that's just what happens. It's, it, like, it, it's it's coupled with the fact that he had to play more minutes and he was becoming complacent. But now he's on the hot seat. Now everybody was like, screw Brendan Smith. We need to get rid of Brennan but he's like, oh, I don't want to stay in New York. I like New York. I have a da da here. He has two more years of his contract. Oof. It's not a team friendly contract Oof. for a player of his caliber. It's just it's just it's just so annoying. If he was a random guy, like from some random league, it's like, oh, he's twenty four and we're gonna sign him from Russia, it's a little bit different than a stay at home, American bred college defenseman that seems like
1: they would pan out eventually. Well, the, the funny part about Brendan Smith is that he has such a – he's a gritty, tough guy. The problem – the one thing about him was that he just could never keep up with the speed. And I think he was able to get away with a lot of that because he had Brady Shea with him. You know, mm-hmm. and there's a reason why the Detroit Red Wings dumped him. And that's not to say that he's a completely terrible player because let's be real – there is a lot of defensemen out there that Brendan Smith is better than, and though yeah. a lot of those bad defensemen are starting on some of the NHL teams, so let's not get too ahead of ourselves here. But you know, when Brendan Smith was a Detroit Red Wing, he was a kind of an offensive defenseman, kind of gritty. You know, and then when he got traded to the Rangers, he kind of had a lot of his, to say, defects counteracted because. Brady Shea was just so fast and Brady Shea was playing very well, so you know, that kind of masked it. It's kind of like similar to what happened with Stahl and Strawman. Strawman really picked up a lot for what Mark Stahl was not doing. Especially during his injury, so we really didn't see it right away. Yeah, so I think now what's happening is is that Brendan Smith doesn't really have anyone to really like count on or rely on. And the contract itself is supposed to be for a guy who can do it on his own, and that's the sucky part. But that being said, like you said, Brendan Smith can still be serviceable. In what way? Well, mm-hmm. you could continue to use him as a fourth line player. I would absolutely love to see and Smith. And not LaVue that I have a problem with that. Throw bodies on the. Yeah, fourth. no, I don't have any problem with that. He wants to. He's
0: our. See, that's the thing. He's going to be the best defensive forward there. Yeah. Even though he's the worst defenseman yeah. on team. Yeah. So. Yeah, he's going to kill penalties regardless. It's just do you want him to take away a fourth line spot for guys that have been there before?
1: Well, that all depends on how those other guys perform too. See, that's the thing with this This, this, the this is the issue though. Like
0: we still need two guys that are essential to the core of the team signed. But you're you're not going to get any more cap space. There's no more cap space. I I don't I don't know what what Jeff Gordon is doing. I don't know why he wants to keep Vlad Nemestikov. Because his cap is just killing the team right now, just they need to get rid of him. And uh, obviously, he hasn't gotten a good offer. It's like, I'll take I'll take a third and a fourth round pick for Vlad Nemestikov. He seemed like an add-in at the end of the trade
1: anyway to make it a little bit better. Yeah, I think I think who is who is valuing
0: him as a good player.
1: I think the reason why they're keeping a lot of these guys goes along with what they said once the rebuild started was that they weren't just going to throw a bunch of young guys out there. And it's honestly a good sentiment because, you know, you have guys like, you know, Kratsov coming in. Like, who who on that team can help him out? Panarin, Nemestikov, Kreider. Um, you know, these guys can help them out. So, uh, Kako, Anderson, uh, pretty much everyone else on the team that's a veteran can help them out. You know, fast. So I don't, you know, just taking a team like what Toronto did and just gutting all the veterans doesn't help. So I think that's the reason why they're keeping Nemestikov. And on, let's be honest here, we rag on Nemestikov for not being the player that he was in Tampa Bay, but
0: you know, well, you. But this is the thing, like you know,
1: a lot of people are like, oh, JT Miller
0: and Vladimirsky have the same amount of points, same amount of ice time, da da da. They're the same player. No. No, they're not. No, they're not. They're not. If you have a center in Steven Stamkos, you're gonna have a lot more points. But here's the thing about that, though,
1: is on a team like a juggernaut offense team. Though here's here's the thing about that, though. I I, I think Nemesnikov has more value because Nemestikov performed well with Stamkos in the playoffs too, for the most part, if I'm correct. Or just for the, just the body of work that Nemesnikov was able to have with Miller, oh, he was gonna have like Miller had with um, Stamkos. Obviously, it shows that all three of those guys had chemistry. So, JT Miller, who apparently is supposed to be the same type of player, did not do as well with those three guys. So, clearly, the Rangers see Nemestikov as some kind of valued player. Now, who knows how the Rangers are going to re-sign these two guys without moving Nemestikov. Either way, I don't know. But Nemestikov was... Kept here for the sole purpose that they want to use him for next season, and that's just my opinion on it. Honestly,
0: I mean, he's just—it's just versus type player. It's just, but he's not worth four million dollars.
1: No, I don't think he's so. not.
0: Like, like I, I, as much as like people want to argue, it's like, oh, Ryan Strom—he scores on a very high percentage of shots, and it's just because he doesn't take enough shots. But it's like it's a, it's a, it's a false. It's like a false positive type of situation, but I still like Ryan Strom better than I like Vlad Domestikov. Well,
1: Ryan Strom fits a need, the team has. But why. this
0: is the thing. like Ryan Strom was a highly touted prospect at one point and right? got bounced around so much, and then he's got put on the dumpster fire that is Edmonton, and you expect him to score? No. No, you don't. Like I, I, I don't know why Connor McDavid signed that contract with the Edmonton Oilers. To be honest, what I was saying was like, I'm going to wait until my ELC is up, and then I'm going to leave. They made the playoffs one time on the first round.
1: Well, to, it, to, to, to mention it, Strom, my, my thing is I thought that was a very good trade. I thought I mean, it was a great trade. I, I like him here. I don't understand why people are so adamant against Strom because if you think about it, Ryan Strom is, one, the reason why we got Capo Caco, and two... <laughs> You're
0: right. That is the number one reason. Yeah, it well, has <laughs> nothing to do with the rest of the team being well, terrible. Well, no,
1: obviously not. <laughs> I mean his overtime goal, you know, put no, the in No, no, that's no, that's the reason they got the odds and it just yeah, out. So, It's know, not like it's not like uh,
0: Jeff Gordon bribed Gary Batman saying, "Look, I'm bringing Stephen nah, Draftage."
1: Well, some do people this, we know tend to believe it. <laughs> but uh but another thing too is just that he brought stability mm-hmm. to a team that really didn't have much depth down the middle and they still don't. But you know, he he still he, for his age he
0: still is a He's you know, a solid, a player. solid veteran.
1: I think so, and honestly, I'll be I'll be real with you. If his contract runs up and the Rangers need a guy to fill out a spot that's a veteran, I wouldn't be opposed to signing Strom. And he's an RFA contract. too. Yeah, and he's an RFA. That's, that's, so. that,
0: that's the best part about it. He's arbitration eligible as an RFA, so you really can get something done. The only issue is he's already owed three point one million dollars, so, so like he's only going to go up more, from there. Obviously, but, I mean, like, why wouldn't you?
1: Yeah, but I wouldn't. I I wouldn't rule out. Bringing him back in some kind of capacity, whether it's either a similar contract or if there's enough mm-hmm. space to bring him back, I wouldn't rule it out.
0: No, a third line winger or center is a perfect role for him. Exactly. And like you know, would you mind thirty to forty points from a guy at that spot? That's perfect. That's what you want. That's what you want. Like he I like ma- he did he got thirty three points in sixty three games with the Rangers last year.
1: That's pretty good for a team that was supposed to and- be terror bad. Yeah. Like, think of the. They, I think there was only like three players that
0: had a plus for the season. He had a minus two, mm-hmm. which on a on a team that came in the bottom five of the league, that's pretty good. That's amazing. That's un. That's unbelievable. That mm-hmm. that that's very impressive, and it goes to show how valuable he is on the penalty kill because he can play defensive. It's just this is the issue. So many people look at one. Is he not producing for me? Why not? He's terrible. It's the same. It's the same crap. That's what it is. So, but you know, it's it it's just good to you know have stability in the lineup, especially with the younger guys. This guy's been around the block. He's been and every. He's still he's been still fairly young. Di- he's correct. not that. He's not that old. He's I think only, he's only twenty six. Twenty six. Goodness gracious, he's my age. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah. No, I Jeez. think he just turned twenty six. Yeah, he's my age. Yeah, so July eleventh, I checked. Ah, thank you, hockey reference. Yes, thank you. For all you. my stats.
1: Thank you, I attendance. mean they
0: they needed an applause. I mean I don't want to pay them or anything, but it's just, it just they they really do like make my job a <laughs> lot easier. So I'm not going back to all those games like four years ago, it's like Ryan Strom scored against who oh, on this game? I ah. <laughs> Ryan
1: Strom anyway, scored against Henrik Lundqvist. But anyway, I mean
0: really not much to talk about today. It's just good to gauge where the present situation is kind of on one topic. Not bad. If you enjoyed yeah. it, please like, yes. comment. Let us know what we're doing wrong so it makes your experience better. Yes. If you like me and JL, great. If you like me, JL, and Russell, great. If you don't like me at all, that's great too. I'll stop doing this. No. I'm not going to stop doing this. So, <laughs> tough luck. Um, JL, any final thoughts? Uh, I... Just, how, how about this uh, early early um very early prediction on the top 6 forwards?
1: Man. uh Panarin, capo Capokaco, yep. Kreider, mm-hmm. Heitel, and Gretsoff. Really? Yes. Interesting. I think Heitel I think Hedel will thrive with a good winger. I think Kratzov is that winger. So that's
0: that's interesting. I I kind of like that. I was, you know, I was actually going to push those guys down to the third line and make a very interesting line of um, Hedl, Anderson, and Kratzoff. I don't know why I think that would be amazing, I but think I just do.
1: Kratzoff seems like the kind of guy that plays well when he's put out on the ice more. I, I, I think he's that kind of guy. I think once he's kind of the guy that, to me kind of resembles a little bit of alexei kovalev where as long as okay. he's on the ice more something's yeah no happen. because he
0: he's that kind of gritty player that'll get yeah. in the dirty areas and exactly. score And he's got a wicked shot
1: goodness you put so. him with chris kreider who can do more of the dirty work oh and then God. all he has to do is sit in the middle See, <laughs> is, i
0: i want to end my my note on this go ahead i don't want chris kreider to be gone i love chris kreider <laughs> i don't love the fact that he's 28 and he's got to want a five-year contract. I, I am not about that. If we were a completely different team, if we were a team three years ago where everybody's ready to go and ready to make a playoff push, then sure, let's sign him to a five-year contract and then cry about it now. But you just can't justify keeping this guy.
1: No. You it's can't.
0: Sad. Unless he takes a, an unbelievably team-friendly deal for three years you know, around what he's making now, you can't justify it. No. He's going to want more. You're gonna have to trade him at the deadline. I love Chris Kreider. I think he's a great presence. He's a great, you know, addition on the ice. It's just you, you gotta compare him to Milan Lucic, uh, Rick Nash, guys of those the power forward caliber. They don't last past 31, and if they do, they're they fourth line players at best.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But anyway, hey guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. If you do listen, again, like, comment, you know, retweet. Check out our other content on ForeverBlueShirts.com. You have our Twitter, Facebook, all the same, 4B, Forever Blue Shirts, and 4B Radio. And And, be sure uh, to
1: keep an eye on our Traverse City Tournament podcast. Russell will be back, and we're definitely going to get our bi-weekly schedule going again.
0: And look for a new segment that I proposed today, and Ant actually liked it a lot, was Stat Boy Steven's speculations. (laughs) The alliteration there is just unmatched. And he, I think, he, hey, he, he loved it. Both of them were like, let's see what Ant says. And they was like, I love it. So <laughs> he's got all the European prospects for you. He's the greatest insider, I think, ever. And he's such a nice guy. Yep. But this is it. I'm going to stop talking now. <laughs> Enjoy your week. And let's go Rangers. <laughs>
1: Hey everyone, this is Stan Wangler from Just Thinking Stop on by this week and listen to some of the great podcasts we have lined up for you Two in particular are really good shows One is called Are We Driving Ourselves Insane? Well, are we? And the next one is called Have You Been Having a Bad Day? Did you have a bad day? Well, if you did, this is the show for you And I bet you, when you get done listening, you'll feel a lot better So join us